Welcome to the Nature and Science of Work podcast. I'm Robert Levine. Thank you for joining us. In this podcast, we dig deeper from our recent piece on schedules and scheduling in nature from our Nature Guides Work series, Exploring the Perspectives of Aldo Leopold. In the first half of the 20th century, Aldo Leopold was a pioneering forester, firefighter, conservationist, and ecologist. A pragmatist and a professor, terms that don't always go together. His writings on these topics came together in the form of a Sand County Almanac, in its time a classic of a conservation ethic, and later considered a founding statement of environmentalism. But Aldo Leopold predated environmentalism. That word doesn't appear in a Sand County Almanac. What does appear is beautiful writing about nature and how it works, written from the perspective of time he spent during the Great Depression on an abandoned farm with poor soil, a sand farm, in a poor county in Wisconsin, a sand county, but with a rich life of nature for someone who understood how nature works. Here are three selections from a Sand County Almanac, each about the work of birds and their schedules, and about much more. The first, selected from an entry titled, July, Great Possessions, describes among the birds on the Sand County farm an entire intricate schedule of work and song at daybreak of what we would now call an ecosystem, or here, an ergosystem. From a Sand County Almanac by Aldo Leopold. July, Great Possessions. 120 acres, according to the county clerk, is the extent of my worldly domain. But the county clerk is a sleepy fellow who never looks at his record books before nine o'clock. What they would show at daybreak is the question here at issue. Books or no books, it is a fact, patent both to my dog and myself, that at daybreak I am the sole owner of all the acres I can walk over. It is not only boundaries that disappear, but also the thought of being bounded. Expanses unknown to deed or map are known to every dawn. And solitude, supposed no longer to exist in my county, extends on every hand as far as the dew can reach. Like other great landowners, I have tenants. They are negligent about rents, but very punctilious about tenures. Indeed, at every daybreak from April to July, they proclaim their boundaries to each other. This daily ceremony, contrary to what you might suppose, 
begins with the utmost decorum. Who originally laid down its protocols, I do not know. At 3.30 a.m., with such dignity as I can muster of a July morning, I step from my cabin door. I seat myself on a bench, facing the white wake of the morning star. I get out my watch, pour coffee, and lay notebook on knee. This is the cue for the proclamations to begin. At 3.35, the nearest field sparrow avows, in a clear tenor chant, that he holds the jackpine copse north to the riverbank and south to the old wagon track. One by one, all the other field sparrows within earshot recite their respective holdings. Before the field sparrows have quite gone the rounds, the robin in the big elm warbles loudly his claim to the crotch where the ice storm tore off a limb and all appurtenances pertaining thereto, meaning, in his case, all the angleworms in the not very spacious, subjacent lawn. The robin's insistent caroling awakens the oriole, who now tells the world of orioles that the pendant branch of the elm belongs to him. Together with all fiber-bearing milkweed stalks nearby, all loose strings in the garden, and the exclusive right to flash like a burst of fire from one of these to another. My watch says 3.50. The indigo bunting on the hill asserts title to the dead oak limb left by the 1936 drought and to divers nearby bugs and bushes. Next, the wren, the one who discovered the knothole in the eave of the cabin, explodes into song. Half a dozen other wrens give voice, and now all is bedlam. Grosbeaks, thrashers, yellow warblers, bluebirds, vireos, towhees, cardinals, all are at it. My solemn list of performers, in their order and time of first song, hesitates, wavers, ceases, for my ear can no longer filter out priorities. Besides... The sun is about to rise. I must inspect my domain before my title runs out. The second selection from the entry titled March, the Geese Return, describes a more singular worker and schedule. A lone goose flying into the narrow seam between winter and spring through the snows and ice of Wisconsin, executing a high-risk operation strategy known as minimizing time to completion. In the dead of night and starting in the dead of winter. March, the geese return. One swallow does not make a summer but one skein of geese, cleaving the murk of a March thaw, is the spring. A cardinal whistling spring to a thaw, but later finding himself mistaken, can retrieve his error by resuming his winter 
silence. A chipmunk emerging for a sunbath but finding a blizzard has only to go back to bed. But a migrating goose staking 200 miles of black night on the chance of finding a hole in the lake has no easy chance for retreat. His arrival carries the conviction of a prophet who has burned his bridges. The third passage is also about geese, but only in part. It immediately follows the previous passage about the lone goose, and more than hints at who in that earlier passage may have been the prophet who has burned his bridges. Aldo Leopold started his career as a firefighter and forester in the early United States Forest Service. He left the southwestern U.S. behind later to become associate director of a U.S. Department of Agriculture forest products lab in the more rarefied university city of Madison, Wisconsin. Then later he crossed a bridge, accepting an appointment onto the university's faculty. The next passage, and others in a Sand County Almanac, provides more than a hint of conflict between Aldo Leopold's love of nature, practicality, and pragmatism, and the refined academic community around him, some of whom, one can imagine from this passage, may have found it an affront that a professor of game management, the first in the United States, was in their exalted midst let alone one of the belief that knowledge of his subject could be valuable to such highly educated people. A March morning is only as drab as he who walks in it without a glance skyward, ear cocked for geese. I once knew an educated lady banded by Phi Beta Kappa who told me that she had never heard or seen the geese that twice a year proclaim the revolving seasons to her well-insulated roof. Is education possibly a process of trading awareness for things of lesser worth? The goose who trades his is soon a pile of feathers. Three passages from a Sand County Almanac. Three examples of how Aldo Leopold found schedules and the work of nature in the world of nature around him at the Sand County place he liked to call home. Some publishing acknowledgments. These three selections are from copyrighted material in A Sand County Almanac and Sketches Here and There by Aldo Leopold originally published in 1940 by the Oxford University Press. A current edition is published by the Library of America. For the Nature and Science of Work podcast and the Nature Guides Work Project, I'm Robert Levine. 
Keep seeing nature in work and work in nature. Thank you for listening.